0: welcome back to the nickel and brine package podcast our loyal dimes that's right you guys are all dimes because you're all tens to us
1: i love you dimes every single one of you
2: those pass rushes work great now that's exactly what we want to do right there
1: hey what defense is that sprout left exit
2: richard nixon hell no
0: it's the Nickel and Brime Package.
2: I like it. I like it.
0: Now, here's your host, Nick and Brian. So, we haven't really discussed why the, the, the podcast is named the Nickel and Brime Package, but I figure most people can probably understand that. Um, my name is Nick, and so Nickel... Kind of sprung from that, Brian. Bry sort of became Brime. I know it's kind of mind-bending, but um, we wanted to showcase our immense football knowledge in the name of our podcast. So you now have it was better than
1: the other ones, guys.
0: It was. It's really hard to find a name. So welcome, Dimes. We're extremely excited to talk about the Week Six recap. Now, I want to start. With our fact check, because that's where we always start, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna move some of the emphasis on fact checking out of Nick and Brian's hands and into the loyal dimes hands. So from now on, if you guys hear anything that is a miss, reach out to Brian or I, and we'll make sure it makes it in the fact check. But otherwise, we tend to miss some things. And I feel like we're not really doing a complete job of a fact check anyway. What do you think about that, Brian?
1: I know a couple people, especially from my work that used to listen, they would always say, man, that Nick guy, he's really tough sledding on that fact checker. He really wants to run that in the ground or whatever. And then he would always come over and be like, hey, you missed this. Hey, you missed this. I'm like, hey, tell me this like two days ago when we record.
0: so he was he was making me out to be some sort of fact-checking nazi but really it was him yeah okay
1: yeah so he likes to do that though
0: okay well it sounds like we might get along (laughs) so today is a pretty special episode because we have our first guest of the season (gasps) extremely extremely excited to introduce our dear league mate waylon hello everyone we're we're really glad to have you around man
2: uh, thanks, Larry. man. I uh, need to put some of Brian's terrible opinions in place. So
0: <laughs> That's right. We can gang up on Brian.
2: No I can hold these shitty opinions
1: back.
0: <laughs> so we're real glad to have Waylon around. Waylon's going to be sticking around, inputting as necessary, but it's mostly just a normal show from here. So we're going to go ahead and start with some of our recent news. And as is custom, we have a long list of injuries. Yeah. So pretty much my entire team got injured, and if you are not familiar with my team, I have Marquise Brown, James Conner, Will Disley, and George Kittle, who were all on the injury report this week. Marquise Brown actually missed the game with an ankle injury, James Conner left the Steelers game with a quad injury, Will Disley left the Seahawks game without a catch, and is presumed to have a torn Achilles George Kittle was on the injury report late in the week with a groin strain. However, that turned out to be a fake groin strain. (laughs) And I benched him because I thought Will Disley was looking pretty, pretty tasty. And George Kittle was looking like a bum with a, with a bad groin. And he goes and has, you know, an average George Kittle game, which was like 80 yards or something like that. So.
1: It was pretty good, though. I mean, it really sucks for Will Disley. He was doing really good this year so far. And then James Conner, I don't think that's going to be a big deal. I heard it was some kind of thigh contusion or something. And I've started following this guy on Twitter called Dr. Something Chow. I think it's John Chow or something. His website's called Pro Football Doc. Good stuff for injury report. His, I like it. his background was a team doctor for the um, Chargers for like 14 years or something.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not overly concerned about it, but I'll just say this. Have have either of you guys have had a quad contusion before?
1: <laughs> no. Can't say I have contuded my quad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I've contuded my quad one time, <laughs> and I just have to say it really freaking sucks. It. <laughs> It's like, it's I'm sorry, like you're, I'm not
1: laughing at you contorting your quad. That word is hilarious.
0: <laughs> yeah, i I had it actually playing flag football. I was going for, I was rushing the quarterback, and this giant dude was blocking. And I hoped to catch him off guard by kind of just standing there and then trying to run around him. I was much faster than he was. However, he took a sidestep, and his knee caught me perfectly in my quad as I was coming around the corner, and it swelled up, like, instantly. And it was to the point where I couldn't really bend my knee hardly at all, and it stayed like that for over a week. So I just want to say, quad contusion to a normal human, someone who's not a total badass that plays in the NFL, kind of serious injury, but these guys get over it within days. It's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you uh, gone got contuded. I did.
0: I was all sorts of contuded every which way. (laughs) Speaking of quad contusions, Amari Cooper also suffered one, um, and he was knocked out of the game this past weekend too.
1: I think that's horse shit, and it's his knee. Mm. His his foot and knee. Before this game, he was having uh, foot issues, and um, the one bad thing that he couldn't do this game was jump. I think it was the third play. He tried to jump for the ball, and he couldn't jump, so they took him out.
0: The footney. The old footney. footney. Okay. Well, on on the quad train is also Todd Gurley. He is nursing a quad injury. That was the reason why he didn't participate this weekend. So it seems to be something going around. Y'all's getting (laughs) contuded. Geronimo Allison took a scary hit in the Monday night game and left the game with a concussion. Didn't like seeing that at all, especially being an, an Illini fan. But either way, it was it was a scary hit, regardless of which team you support. So hope he's doing okay. Emmanuel Sanders is nursing a knee injury, and Chris Thompson is dealing with a foot injury. Those are very vague. That's all I really have on those.
1: I would love to just get a quick whalen take here. This Chris Thompson injury, how's that Geis looking, my dude?
2: Uh, i think they're estimating week 11 brian week and
1: 11 and how's the excitement level of one to fully contort
2: it's about a three i mean he's in the ir slot right now so it's it is what it is
1: i'm excited for you so uh
0: moving on well feel free to make waylon a trade offer
2: oh yeah see
0: what he can do
1: i did hold on to him all last year and he was the only person i had that I had originally drafted left on my team. Which is pretty
0: interesting. <laughs> <laughs> we did have some trades this past week. Two of them were Brian's, and actually, yours truly made a trade for the first time of the season. So, but let's talk about Brian's first. He made a trade with Derek, which was fairly blockbustery, if you will.
1: This was really weird. He started trade talks with me, I think, last Monday, or I don't remember exactly when it was. Like, he was just on me for two days, just talking to me, working out this trade. And I'm like, Coop, I don't have to trade you. Like, I'm fine with my players. Like, if you want to get a trade done, then you're going to have to give me what I want. He just slowly rationalized this trade. Like, he wanted Mahomes so bad. So bad that he was like, "Okay, okay, I'll add this. I'll add this. Okay, hmm, I don't want to add this." And I'm like, "All right, I guess we're not gonna trade because this is the trade." <laughs> and and the next day he's like, "You know, I'm really thinking about it. Uh, you know, what if we do this? I was thinking about this," and I'm like, "No, man, this is the trade." And I got the trade. It was that easy because I was just like, "I don't need to do this trade. This, I'm fine with my current players."
0: Yeah, it was pretty much a one-to-one trade where you, you each gave up three people. It was one quarterback, one running back, one wide receiver. And those players were that Derek gave up were Matt Ryan, Derek Henry, and Tyler Lockett. And in return, he got from you my Patrick Mahomes, Melvin Gordon, and DK Metcalf. He's taken a little bit of a risk with Melvin Gordon, I would say, because Derrick Henry is the clear cut workhorse there in Tennessee. DK has kind of been a little bit, I mean, it's kind of funny. They're both Seahawks wide receivers that you trade. I know.
1: And what's funny is uh, I actually traded for Metcalf from him. You did. And I believe I had said something to the extent of Lockett's worthless. And Metcalf <laughs> is great. And yeah, that didn't pan out properly.
0: Well, I don't think his value went down exactly. over the course of the time that you had him. So it stayed stagnant. I don't hate this trade for you by any means. I think it's pretty I, I just
1: think I got a, a really good a treasure chest pull of assets for basically Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I really like this trade for me. But let's move on to my next trade, which is actually really interesting. Yeah, let's. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's early looking like I've made a goof because... I, uh, this might be a hot take, and close your ears if this is a little too spicy for you kids. But Fournette might be top five this year.
2: Mm.
0: Excuse me. I'll be right back. I'm going to go grab the, <laughs> the antacids.
1: <laughs> this dude's floor is crazy. I mean, he gets 10, 12 points just on his reception. Anything else is is bonus. So he's looking like a fantastic player this year. And. This is for the Ethans in the room, a keeper.
0: Mm. Just to recap that trade, it was Brian giving up Sam Darnold and Leonard Fournette in exchange for Ethan's Cooper Cup, Gardner Minshew, and LaShawn McCoy.
1: So I think overall I got great value for the players. I am obviously putting a lot of stock in Cooper Cup, which he is the third overall. I'm also putting a lot of stock in that I think Minshew is the franchise quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. You've
0: said that a few times now and uh,
1: he's going to be my 18th round keeper quarterback.
0: <laughs> I don't know if the Jaguars necessarily care that he's an 18th round keeper in our league, but I guess we'll find out eventually. Oh, They will. He's he, I will say this. He's not done anything to disprove your theory so far. I don't know. I, I definitely like this trade for you because as I had mentioned in our in our Slack channel, I thought that Cooper Cup was worth a trade of Darnold and Fournette on his own. That's kind of how I feel about Cooper Cup this year. And I don't know. Sam Darnold, he was your QB three, so it's not like he was super high valuable to you, but you got Gardner Minshew and LaShawn McCoy as part of this. So I feel like you got more than value for the players you gave up.
1: That's kind of what I was thinking too. And they were saying that Foles is supposed to come back around week 11. Mm -hmm. So I, I would have to look again, but I don't remember what week Matt Ryan's on by, but I'm pretty sure that both of my quarterbacks are off by before Nick Foles comes back. So by, so depending on that whole situation, it won't really affect me much.
2: Sure. Did you lock up both of these trades at the same time, because I'm actually yeah, not a fan I of, either did. of these trades for you, like in a vacuum. But both of them together, I think, made your team a lot better.
1: So what happened was, is I was talking to Ethan about it, about the whole Cup and Minshew and McCoy thing. I was like, you know what? If I can like swing this other trade real quick and kind of like shift my team a little bit. Basically, the whole coop trade was gaining assets, valuable assets that people would want to trade for. I mean, the ultimate goal here, the prize jewel is Mr. McCaffrey. So that's Mm -hmm. what I'm building towards. But I don't think it'll happen unless I offer him like a Cooper Cup, Matt Ryan and (laughs) Camara.
0: I think you're going to have to way overpay for him. But I'll be I'll be kind of watching that with bated breath a little bit. That's that sounds interesting, Brian.
1: I'm basically going to try to fill out Matt's team. I probably should have been asking what players he likes first (laughs) before I'm making these trades.
0: So, we did have one last trade that went through yesterday, and this was between me and Evan. It was, it was, this was interesting, at least to me. I don't think many people are losing sleep over this,
1: but
0: (laughs) I gave up Marcus Mariota. And Evan gave up Teddy Bridgewater. So it was kind of just a straight-up one-for-one quarterback trade.
1: One-for-one one bench quarterback quality trades.
0: Yeah, the the idea was that at the time, we didn't know who the Titans starter was going to be for this upcoming week. <laughs> and we knew that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be replaced by Drew Brees when he comes back. So I like the Saints' two matchups before the— well, not really this week, but next week's matchup before their bye— so, if Drew Brees doesn't come back until after the buy, I feel like I have a pretty solid fill in QB while Dak Prescott's on buy.
1: Yeah, you really need some QB help.
0: So, we'll talk about Mariota in just a second. But since we talked about our fantasy trades, there were a couple real trades that went through in the NFL this week. First one, sort of a low risk move by the Ravens. They gave up Kenny Young in a fifth round, a, a reported fifth round 2020 pick for Marcus Peters to the Rams. I think this one is really, really interesting.
1: I really like this trade for the Ravens. I think this is like a steal from Marcus Peters. Absolutely. So, I mean, Marcus Peters is like a ball hawk. The Ravens need a ball hawk.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I think he's he's a great fit for that aggressive Ravens defense. Yeah, me too. So, well done to the Ravens. Um, But the the big, big trade that went through was shortly after the Rams traded off Marcus Peters. They traded the Jacksonville Jaguars for Jalen Ramsey.
1: Like literally the Rams have zero draft equity for the next like five years.
0: Yeah. They traded two first round picks and a fourth round picks. I th- believe the first round pick was this upcoming season. And then another one for the following year, the fourth round pick I believe is 2020 <laughs> a lot of draft capital. Basically the Rams are saying we're going to go ahead and take care of Jalen Ramsey for a long time. He's going to be in our uniform for years to come. I don't really know what to think of this. I guess we won't really know how this plays out until about at least three years from now, (laughs) assuming that Jalen Ramsey stays healthy enough to keep playing.
1: Uh, Jeff Fisher was fired in 2016. Now, something that's not really noticed or said is the GM was hired the same time Jeff Fisher was in 2012. Uh, his name is Les Snead. I feel as though if I was a owner of a fantastic franchise as the Rams, wouldn't you want to get rid of everything that Jeff Fisher like was a part of and everything, including your GM? Because to me, I don't think this guy's done anything outside of just blow wads of cash on players that don't deserve it, like Goff and Gurley. Interesting.
0: I, I think you can make an argument for Goff, but I mean prior to Gurley's whole injury, he was man, he was killing it. <laughs> I, I don't know. But it, you're saying this is the same GM that that hired that hired Jeff Fisher?
1: I don't know if he hired Jeff Fisher, but he has been uh, the GM for every single year since Jeff Fisher was hired and he's drafted cooper cup he's drafted Gerald everett he snagged robert woods andrew wetworth which was really good that was a fantastic pickup all i'm saying is questionable stuff for the gm in the front office
2: that's all i'm saying all right i feel like you just complimented him with a lot of picks
1: like yeah but see the
2: dissecting so, him so
1: like he he i was just on the wikipedia so it's not gonna list every single pick it's just gonna list the you know significant picks i hit so that
0: might be your spiciest take of the night you're saying that the the rams gm who hired sean McVay not very good i but mean
1: right. <laughs> we i don't know if he's that not good i just all i'm saying i better just take a stance here i'm i'm gonna say he's a piece of He's a piece of garbage. I don't
0: know I mean, that we're gonna we come could, to a consensus on it.
1: <laughs> we, I mean, we could deep dive into like their their cap and all that, but I I bet you they're like cap fucked because of all these massive contracts they keep rolling out of thin air.
2: Feel like you're gonna get fat checked hard on this one, just maybe, my opinion. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I
1: like look at their top three contracts. It's Gurley, Goff, and then you got Aaron Darnold. And I don't know the other ones, but I can guarantee you their offensive lines probably paid a pretty pretty decent penny. So all I'm saying is they're they need to figure out how to spend money better and acquire better quarterback play while doing it. Because he's goffle.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, oh.
1: I heard it on a fantasy footballers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, Dimes, just an aside, we're about to launch into a discussion about Marcus Mariota. It's pretty lengthy. If you're not interested, I recommend you skip ahead to 3045. Well, yeah, I want to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. And since we're talking about terrible front office management stuff, this yep. fits perfectly with that.
1: Preach brother.
0: Yeah, so you guys that know me know that I'm a Titans fan. I root for, for the boys in blue, the two-tone blues. <laughs> so there was a change at quarterback this weekend during the game against Denver. And in the third quarter, Marcus Mariota was benched in favor of Ryan Tannehill. I, I could spend probably 30 minutes talking about this, but I won't. Um, I think that if this were just about any other quarterback situation in the league, Mariota would have been back to starting again. However, with Ryan Tannehill being a, pretty solid backup and somebody who's started in this league for a handful of years I think that the the move makes sense um, I don't like it and I'm actually going to read you guys an article from uh, or a post that I I, re- I found on Reddit and I'll give it to Brian so that he can link it in the show notes if anybody wants to read it for themselves alright so here's the article it's from a user I don't even know how to pronounce her name Ivana Lore is what I'm going to say I love it so alright here we go just watch the All-22 on offense, let me tell you. This offense is the biggest exercise and futility I've ever seen on a football field. Every play looks exactly the same. It's flat, it's lateral, and it's easy to defend. The only play worth being in the playbook was the RPO to Walker. No matter who plays QB, this offense will fail. Denver sat in cover two, three, four all game, played for the run, and then stood in their zones and let the wide receivers run right into their coverage. This offense does nothing to stress defenders into choosing between a rock and a hard place, a foundational concept of NFL offenses. This offense does nothing to stretch the field, misdirect, and otherwise capitalize on other teams defending us the same way. This offense does nothing to punish the defense playing off coverage in zones. Almost every play looks like this. Defense is in a zone coverage scheme playing five to eight yards off the line of scrimmage. They hold their ground and wait to see if it's a run play while the wide receiver runs the 99th consecutive vertical stem route right towards them. If it's a run, they collapse on it. If it's a pass, every defender is in the perfect position to essentially double cover every receiver. Every time there was a defensive void on the field pre-snap, i.e. coverage was shaded to one side of the field, corner, and press, the outside receiver that has nothing but green grass in front of him after absolutely smoking the DB off the line runs 10 to 15 yards down the field and is essentially wide open for a touchdown but instead runs a comeback or a dig deep out, eliminating five yards of separation and running right back into the coverage. This offense is an absolute dumpster fire from top to bottom and is arguably even worse than Malarkey's scheme. I've been a MM8 fan from day one, and still I've been growing tired of the we've failed our quarterback narrative, watching Marcus sit in the pocket and get sacked for six weeks straight. Let me tell you, we have absolutely failed this and any other quarterback in every conceivable way. He's sitting in the pocket and getting sacked because every play looks the same and nobody is open. Three times I saw the same play where three receivers are running drags to the left after play action, which has to be the most self-defeating concept ever put on a football field. You run play action, suck all the linebackers to the line of scrimmage, only to run every receiver three to four yards past the line of scrimmage right into the sucked in linebackers. Arthur Smith needs to be removed from coaching offense in every conceivable way, and we should do Marcus a favor and just let him go somewhere that is capable of hiring someone to run a competent offense. We should take a page out of the Patriots book. Bill Belichick and Vrabel are essentially the same style of head coach. They coach defense, suffocate, oppositions offense, and let someone like Josh Daniels run the show on offense and stay the fuck out of the way. We are a sensible offensive coordinator away from being unbeatable with this defense. Placing the blame anywhere else is just throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And rant. That post pretty much summed up my entire feelings of it, so that's why I read it to you in its entirety. And uh, so, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot else to say. I don't necessarily disagree with the benching because, honestly, Mike Vrabel's not going to bench himself. Arthur Smith is not going to bench himself. Uh, Marcus Mariota is the next man on the totem pole, and he's kind of becoming the scapegoat for this. This has been terrible play design and... That's pretty much all there is to it. And now Mariota's the fall guy. It sucks for me because Mariota's my favorite player. I love watching him. He's a. The NFL does not have enough extremely high character guys, and Marcus is absolutely one of them. So it really sucks to see this. I get it. I wish the best for Tannehill and the Titans team. What do you think?
1: Uh, this is going to come from somebody that does not watch the Titans and I don't know a lot about Marcus Mariota's past. I know you do. I thought Mariota was a running quarterback when he first like entered the league. I thought he was the better version of Jameis Winston when, you know, he was running and Jameis wasn't. Mm -hmm. So I, I wonder if, they're telling him to stop running because they're scared that he's going to get injured again or something. It seems like they're trying to restrict his play and restrict him as a player. And he doesn't do well being like a pocket passer in that restricted. So it's almost like he, you know, he's like Kyler Murray, you know, Russell Wilson, where he, he needs to get out of the pocket so he can actually make these plays and give his guys a little extra time to get open or whatnot.
0: Yeah. Let me just say this, Brian. You are absolutely 100% correct, okay? Um, <laughs> I know. I know. It's kind of shocking to hear that sometimes. Um, Mariota is... His NFL comparison when he came into the league was Colin Kaepernick. He's that type of athlete now. To Kaepernick's credit, he has a heck of a lot more live of an arm than Mariota does. I, I mean, Kaepernick has an absolute rocket for an arm. Mariota does not have that kind of big throw ability. However, he is more accurate than Colin Kaepernick is. Um, he ran a 4 5 40. So, I mean, pretty fast. He can definitely put separation on linebackers. He's not many, I mean, pretty much no linebacker is going to be able to run him down from behind, we'll put it that way. He is a mobile quarterback who thrives on creating outside the pocket. I think Russell Wilson is a really good comparison because, kind of similar thing. Russell Wilson's got a good arm. Maybe more accurate a little bit uh, than Mariota, but not somebody who's got like a Patrick Mahomes type arm. He can't throw it eighty yards down the field.
1: You know, I just think that this whole Russell Wilson comparison is just so—it's so obvious. The issue here is Russell Wilson has that sen- seniority, and Pete really, really respects his quarterback. like he trusts him to make these decisions and I'm thinking to myself, you know, this is the second head coach that he's had. What if the Mike Vrabel doesn't trust Mariota at all? And like, what if the OC is new? What does he not? I mean, what if he doesn't trust him at all? He's out counted on the whole like playmaking ability that he's, he's like being constricted and, Do you think this benching is to like light a fire or something? Because like we've talked about this before. I don't think Ryan Tannehill is really any better than Marcus. And so I'm just thinking to myself, the only reason they would make this switch is potentially like to show Marcus Mariota that he needs to play better. And Mm -hmm. it's almost like the Jameis Winston thing last year with Fitzpatrick so I honestly don't think this is permanent it's mind-boggling on why this even happened
0: I've thought about that about Mariota's benching being sort of a, a teaching moment more than a an actual benching I I don't know to be honest because Mariota this is the last year Mariota's contract this is his fifth year option Ryan Tannehill is on a one-year deal so I think they're trying to f- I I honestly think what the Titans are trying to do is see if Ryan Tannehill could be a stopgap quarterback if they let Mariota go just to see who they can get in the draft or free agency or whatever it might be. So that's kind of what I'm what I'm thinking of now. I don't think that this is the end of the season for Marcus Mariota because Ryan Tannehill has not really shown over the last three years that he's capable of staying healthy. He has, in the last three years in which he's been the starter, he's missed 50% of his starts. He missed um, all of 2017 with an ACL injury.
1: He's he's definitely glass.
0: He missed eight other games in the pre in the other two years in 2016 and 2018 for various like shoulder and knee injuries or foot injuries, something like that. So let's put it this way: it's more likely than not that playing behind the offensive line that has given up the most sacks in the NFL and is currently on pace for a new NFL single season sack allowed record <laughs> that Ryan Tannehill gets injured at some point. So I, I don't think this is the end of Marcus uh, in a Titans uniform, but it, it could be near the end.
1: I honestly thought the Tennessee Titans offensive line was one of the best better ones. And do you think the reason why he's getting sacked so much is because he's holding the ball for too long? Yes
0: and no. Taylor Lewan, their Pro Bowl left tackle, was suspended for the first four games of the year, um, and he has not been able to practice at all over that period of time. So I think he's just kind of now getting back into it. He's also been kind of missing football and, and getting too many like holding calls and stuff like that because he's just trying to be too aggressive coming back. Um, our right guard, uh, we drafted Nate Davis this past uh, draft, and he also was had missed all of like rookie training camp. So he's just now kind of picking things up, and so I think there's just been some discontinuity on the offensive line. So I think that's that's their problem is I think they will be very good once they kind of get more time to gel, um, but that's just going to take some time. And then the other part of it is, yes, Mario is holding on to the ball too long, but part of that has to do with the offensive design that that we're talking about here, you know, in, in in some of the things that we're seeing, where Arthur Smith just looks totally out of his depth right now.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say real quick, Roger Saffold was a stud in, on the Rams, and I'm surprised they let him go.
0: Yeah, he he's been not so good for the Titans yet. He's yeah. he's given up more sacks in the first six weeks than he did, I think, in the last two years for the Rams. So that's a yikes. Yeah, not been too good. But we could talk about Mariota all day when I'm involved. So we'll we'll move on to the recaps. And uh, this was, in, I don't know, not too many shocking games here, I, I've got to say, though. So Thursday night football, uh, big no shock that the Patriots beat the Giants 35 to 14. Patriots are looking a little banged up, but I don't think it's really going to matter. It's just business as usual for them. Next guy up. The Broncos shut out the Titans as we kind of had alluded to, 16 to 0. The Panthers went to Tampa Bay and knocked off the Buccaneers 37 to 26. That game was in, I said it was in Tampa Bay, but that game was actually in London. And I don't know, as a Jameis Winston owner, what do you think about those five interceptions and a, and a fumble lost? Are you worried? I'm not. All right. The Seattle Seahawks played the Cleveland Browns and beat them 32-28. to 28. For the second consecutive week, the Chiefs fell, this time to the Texans, 31-24. to 24. So they're kind of getting beat up by the AFC South right now, which I think is a little funny. And in the toilet bowl, we had the Redskins defeating the Dolphins 17-16. to 16. The Dolphins went for that dub with a two-point conversion and, and failed to convert. Do you think that was part of their plan all along? Was like, hey, let's make this look competitive, but if we lose, then hey, we get to
1: uh. Ryan Fitzpatrick threw the ball behind the line of scrimmage to uh Kenyon Drake, and he dropped it. <laughs> like he literally, like they, they he threw it right to his hands and he dropped it.
0: So it was probably just Upper management telling him, "You better drop that pass, or else
1: that (laughs) pass, or else we're cutting you." He was oh, like it. It would have been the easiest touchdown. Like they were blocking perfect and everything. It didn't look fluky, and then he just nope that ball. Wow.
0: So it looks like the Dolphins are well on their way to getting two of this upcoming draft. In in another game that we had said was pretty interesting, the Vikings defeated the Eagles thirty-eight to twenty. And this was one that you had said that you like the the Vikings chances a little better than the Eagles. And uh yeah, it looks like you were right about that.
1: It's just the defense, dude. It's just easy as yeah. that. The Eagles defense is the 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 DBs are not healthy. Mm-hmm. The Vikings defense is just more healthier, you know.
0: Yeah. And in the second lowest scoring game of the week, we had the Saints beating the Jaguars 13 to 6. The Ravens took care of the Bengals, but just barely 23 to 17. The 49ers defeated the Rams 20 to 7. And I think when I was watching that game, I just realized that the new plan was to basically not allow Jared Goff to throw the football. It didn't work out, however. <laughs> you said you were interested in this next game. This was the Falcons and Cardinals, and it was a close one Cardinals 34, Falcons 33.
1: There's a reason why I was interested for this sixty-seven point game. And um I definitely think the head coach for the Falcons, Dan Quinn, is going to be fired within the next couple of weeks. The fact that he lost this game, there's like this is ridiculous. I think you're right. Thoughts and prayers, Dan Quinn. Um, in what I would say
0: was the biggest surprise, at least for me, the Jets Defeated the Cowboys 24-22. I didn't expect... I mean, I know that Amari Cooper left this game, but Dak just really didn't look very good. He looked like kind of lost without Amari Cooper. And the Jets looked pretty dang confident with Sam Darnold under center. So maybe that gurueness of Adam Gase is paying off.
1: <laughs> I don't know if it's guru Adam Gase or not, but... <laughs> It's more or less that just having a a fantastic quarterback and Sam Darnold at the helm changes a lot of stuff. I mean, you saw Robbie Anderson come to life, and mm-hmm. that just came right back to where it was last year, where that ninety-two yard touchdown. But anyway, I really <laughs> like Sam Darnold. I had him last year. You know, he was actually the highest ranked a rated
0: quarterback in that draft class. But if Sam Darnold can even come close to living up to that rating, I mean, the jets are going to have a nice quarterback on their hands and it seems like he's, he's starting to kind of maybe take that leap. So props to him. The Steelers, uh, with their third string quarterback took care of the chargers 24 to 17. I think things are just looking not so great in LA for both teams lately, but chargers, especially. And on Monday Night Football, we've got a Packers fan in here, so I want to ask his take on this. (laughs) Packers, by the narrowest of margins, defeated the Lions 23-22. We've had some discussions about some of the questionable officiating in that game. Now, obviously, your team came out on top, but I don't know. What do you think about the officiating in this game or this game in general?
2: Well, the officiating was obviously not the best. I don't think you can entirely blame the game on the officiating when the Lions put up like 50 yards in the entirety of the second half. And they also had to kick five field goals. I think they put themselves in a terrible position to win the game. And it's yeah. unfortunate that it appeared as if the Packers won the game off of the bad calls.
1: Them Zebras are holding my Manny Stafford back. <laughs> Them zebras fighting my lions.
0: Well, with that.
1: <laughs> oh, geez.
0: That's all of our NFL games of the week.
1: So I really want to jump in here real quick. There was a trade that just happened, but it is a trade between Ethan and Jake. So my team is super bad. It is trading Jamal Williams, Tyler Boyd, Sam Darnold, and then Jake's team, Faith in the Size of the Mostert Seed, is trading Dwayne Haskins, TY Hilton and Tariq Cohen. So, I uh immediate thoughts here, I think Jake got the way better uh team for now and for him to really turn a season around, I like it a lot more for him, but I also really like the trade for Ethan and Dwayne Haskins maybe for next year. And then T.Y. Hilton, I think T.Y. Hilton will be pretty good. I don't know why he's trading for another wide uh, receiver. But overall, I think Jake won this trade pretty handedly. Interesting. Yeah, I, I
0: say I do like this for for Jake as
1: well, getting
0: Sam Darnold. We're literally just talking about kind of on the up and up. And um, Tyler Boyd, I mean, we don't know what's happening with A.J. Green, if if anything. So... I don't, yeah, I I like it. I think the uh, Jamal Williams was just kind of a nice bonus. He looked pretty involved now that he got back on the field. So with that, let's move on to our fantasy recaps. We did guess the first game correctly, and that was me versus Ethan. Um, I pulled off the W for the first time in, I think, two weeks, three weeks. So I'm happy to be back at three and three, folks. Congratulations
1: on being a 500, Nick.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I consider it a a great honor as a (laughs) cursed league manager to be at 500. (laughs) Um, Our next game was Waylon versus Luke and Waylon was on upset alert. You were on upset alert Waylon, but you pulled off the W and this was a close game. Were you nervous
2: at all?
1: Waylon was actually texting me about like, I'm sweating, man. I think he's going to get me. (laughs)
2: Going into that Sunday night game, I was a little worried. Really unfortunate, though, for Luke. Second most points up on the week, and he loses. That is unfortunate.
1: But fortunate for you.
0: Yeah, played out in Waylon's favor, and Luke kind of got the same thing that happened to me last week, I think it was. So two weeks in a row, the second highest scorer plays the highest scorer. No bueno. In our third game, this was Brian's game. Taylor versus Brian, and Brian pulled off the win. We both got this one right in our guess, but it was not at all close like Brian had thought it might be.
1: Yeah, it was really weird. I definitely had a down week this week. I don't know how much that is contributed to my trade with Derek, but I don't think it would have been much different if I had Mahomes. I think I actually scored more points this week with the trade. So I think
0: you did slightly, yeah. Yeah, that's and that was another thing I was gonna bring up as kind of a caveat with at least a couple of these teams, these are vastly different teams than when we made our selections. So there was some impact there. But um in our fourth game, we had Evan versus Matt. Brian guessed this one correctly, he chose Evan and I, I chose Matt. This was another relatively close game, only four point swing, but uh McCaffrey didn't have a Herculean effort this week as he had been having. So that's kind of what I was banking on for Matt's victory. In our surprise of the week, we had Dylan versus Derek. We had both chosen Derek and we thought that there wasn't really much to discuss. But after that trade went through, Derek lost a few points and those points potentially made the difference. I didn't do the math on it, but Derek fell to Dylan 108 to 90. And then in the last game of the week, we had Jake versus Mark. I believe we both picked Jake and we were both correct. And in fact, Mark almost got doubled up by Jake. It was 140.6 to 70.5. So another down week for Team Packers. So let's go through some superlatives. Uh, We're going to introduce two new ones this week that I'm pretty excited and they could potentially be some mainstays for the remainder of the season. Just kind of depends on how the how things play out. But first we have our points champion. And as we already mentioned, that was Waylon Waylon scored 171 versus Luke. Luke was our points runner up. And so it was a little unfortunate that he had to play the points champion, but congratulations to you, Waylon. How's it feel?
2: Uh, It feels real good. And I'm very excited that it's not Brian.
0: Agreed. (laughs) I think we can all agree on that. Waylon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Our points loser was Mark. The, Manager of Team Packers, he put up 70.5 as I have mentioned. And uh hey, it it broke Dylan's streak of three times in a row of uh, being points loser. So congratulations, go, Dylan, on the win and not being points loser. Our bad call of the week goes to Derek for the second consecutive week. He had Stefan Diggs on his bench the week after he had left Will Fuller on his bench. Talk about some fluke plays two weeks in a row. <laughs> Oh,
1: it's just like, you don't know when it's going to happen. I mean, it's impossible to know these things, especially how they've been playing lately. Um, And last of our
0: normal awards, we've got the overachiever of the week, which also goes to Waylon. So Waylon was 30.7 points over his projection. Congratulations, you overachiever, you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so um, as I had mentioned before, I want to talk about some draft surprises and draft busts. I've got a list of players that I compiled and I actually need to make one change to this. But basically what I did was just for this initial round, we we could potentially introduce some new surprises and busts every week. It just depends. Um, With this initial round, I took two to three at each position for the most part and added them as either a surprise or a bust. There are some that that will get brought up later in the season. So I'm actually going to start with our busts first. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Um, And we'll go quarterback through tight end, basically, just as they're listed in our roster. So our quarterback bus, our first one is Cam Newton. He was drafted in the third round by Matt. However, he's currently performing as the number 35 QB. Now, of course, as we all know, that's that's due to injury. However, injury suspension uh, not being on a pro team anymore. All of those things are still factored in, in in terms of a draft bust. So our first draft bust is Cam Newton. Our second draft bust goes to Aaron Rodgers, who was drafted by Derek. He was drafted in the first round. However, he is QB 13. Now, it's not necessarily a huge bust, but the quarterbacks actually were mostly okay. And so this was kind of one that it, when you're drafted in the first round is the first quarterback off the board you probably need to be at least top three, top five, and he's not even a QB1 right now. So Rodgers has taken our second draft bust. Moving on to the running backs, Le'Veon Bell, who was taken by Mark in the first round, and this was one of my predictions that I had said. I didn't think Le'Veon Bell was going to be such a great running back this year. I would predicted somewhere in the 15 to 20 range, and he's actually RB20 right now. So not at all living up. Now, that said, I think that he will pick it up. But for now, he is a draft bust. Brian just added to this list. He put it out of order, but he's got Andrew Luck on here. Uh, To be honest, I had forgotten that Andrew Luck was even drafted. He was drafted in the second round by Ethan, and he is now retired. So he is unranked. Another draft bust that Ethan had was Melvin Gordon. He took him in the first round, and we talked about this in the draft episode. Ethan did very little research prior to the draft and had no idea that Melvin Gordon was holding out. So that said, he was still taken in the first round and he's currently RB 79 on to the wide receivers. We had Devontae Adams taken in the first round by Dylan. He's currently sitting as wide receiver 40. And again, an injury bug has sort of hit him. Another injured wide receiver, T.Y. Hilton, drafted by Jake in the second round, sitting as wide receiver 33. Antonio Brown was drafted by Matt in the second round and he did play a game this year. So he's currently sitting as the number 112 wide receiver. But I think that's probably the only game we've seen from him this year. And last but not least of our draft bust for this initial superlative episode, OJ Howard as the fifth round tight end is currently sitting as tight end number 32. Hard for a tight end to be a bust, but I think when you take a tight end in the fifth round, you're expecting him to be definitely uh, in the top 12 (laughs) tight ends. And moving on, we've got some draft surprises, and some of I think at least a couple of these belong to our our friend Waylon here, so I'm going to ask him about these in the uh, near future. Our first draft surprise is Lamar Jackson. He was taken in the fifth round by Waylon, but he's currently sitting as the number two QB. So the number two QB is keepable currently, and looking pretty nice for the rest of the season. I originally had Dak Prescott as a draft surprise, but I'm going to I'm gonna change course here because there's one that's a little bit more deserving, and that is Tom Brady, who was drafted by Dylan in the fifth round. I'm going to say it was the fifth round. Actually, it might have been the sixth round, but he's currently sitting as QB8, so I, I think that that is definitely a surprise to us considering how he finished last year. For the running backs, our first draft surprise was Austin Eckler, uh, was drafted by Whalen in the seventh round. The scoring's gone down a little bit, but he is currently sitting as the f- number four running back. Aaron Jones was drafted by Mark in the third round. He's currently sitting as the number five running back. However, he's obviously booned by that massive scoring output from last week. Chris Godwin was kept actually in the 12th round, but
1: I don't think we should have keepers in here.
0: I feel like we had to add him, though. I mean, as a 12th rounder, and not saying that he wasn't useful last year, but I don't think he was at all expected to be the number one wide receiver.
2: I expected it. I expected Mm, it, too, but his like draft position was, what, fifth, sixth round, so I think that's still a really good surprise in general.
0: Yeah. We had Cooper Cup, was drafted by Ethan in the fourth round, is currently sitting as wide receiver three. DJ Chark was drafted by Taylor in the 14th round, and he's currently sitting as the wide receiver five, which I had to do like a double take on. That's amazing. DJ Chark is definitely a draft surprise by Taylor. I added two tight ends here because, as I said, tight ends are generally drafted a little later, so it's hard for them to be busts, but it's a little easier for them to be surprises. And the first one is Austin Hooper was drafted in the 12th round by Luke, is currently sitting as tight end number one numero uno and numero dos is mark andrews who was drafted by brian in the 14th round
1: yeah i i really think that waller should be in here but he's kind of chilled off the last couple weeks
2: yeah
0: and like i said i had only added a few per position just so that i can we can continue to keep looking at this throughout the season
1: i did add a bunch that you didn't say but that was just off the top of my head i really want to put an emphasis on joe mixon being a massive draft bust even if and where uh, Evan drafted him, I think that was round three. So, I mean, that's still pretty bad. <laughs> he was kept, though, wasn't he? Yeah, he he was a keeper in round three. Yeah. I doubt he's doing that again. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Ugh. Well, since we have the draft wizard here himself, I wanted to ask Waylon some questions. Just kind of talk a little bit. Now, Obviously, Waylon, your primary listening audience are people that you play fantasy football against on a week-to-week, year-to-year basis. So feel free to be as vague or as specific as you desire.
2: I feel like there's not a lot of surprising in how I draft. Most years I come in well underprepared and I try to make up for it throughout the whole season through trading. This year I tried to be mildly more prepared, but my draft strategy mainly depends on who I am keeping that year. So this year I kept Nick Chubb and Marlon Mack. And so I had in my mind a running back one and two going into the draft. That was my thought process is that, you know, I'm going to go after quarterbacks mildly early. Um, You go go in for a high end wide receiver one, considering I was in, I think the fifth draft position. That was how I envisioned my draft, you know, wide receiver, first round, and going after some quarterbacks early. Since it changed completely, I I try to look for value in the draft. And so since Zeke fell to me at five, I had a very running back heavy team. And then Um, after that, I had to look sort of for depth. And I look for value in players that I think have a lot of, I hate to say it because Brian says it, but upside. So... (laughs) I like players that have a lot of opportunity and they can score a lot of points. And so that's, that's my main focus. And that's why I go after the Tyreek Hills. And I mean, it involves a lot of misses. That's why I take a lot of players in the draft that aren't on my team now is because I thought they had potential and they don't. Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, um, Dante Moncrief, guys that I thought might be number two in the system and they're not. And so it didn't pan out, but i try to build a solid enough team with a good foundation on high-scoring players and then look for value elsewhere to try and basically maximize as many points as possible.
0: Okay, I like that. So would you say that you tend to go for best available player then, or do you try to fill out your starting lineup and then try to fill in after that?
2: I probably would say I go for best available player because... (laughs) In this draft specifically um, with what <laughs> I already had Zeke was a terrible pick but at the same time it felt like a really good pick so yeah I probably go for the yeah. best available player and I try to make it work in the later rounds based off what I've done.
0: I don't think any of us necessarily expected Todd Gurley to be taken and then Travis, Travis Kelsey. Kelsey you know before you before you had a chance to draft so yeah. I think that that makes total sense. Now I just want to ask you, so you had said that you generally feel like you're unprepared. And so I guess one of my questions is going to be how much you research you do before the draft. Seems like you did a little bit more this year than before, but kind of a more specific question because we sat in a draft room with with Brian, who was a a few hams deep. (laughs) He had a comment, either good or bad, about pretty much every single pick that somebody made. And so I guess I want to ask you. Do you at least research enough that you have an opinion on every single player in the draft?
2: I wouldn't say every player. I'd say it's almost every player. I decide on backfields which players I would prefer out of that. I, just, I know what wide receivers I want to target. Yeah, I basically know every player. I, I'm i not going to lie and say I don't. I have a feeling about each team, which players are going to perform, and those are the ones I target. So. Okay. I might not want to target a high-end guy on that team if I think maybe the number two guy is going to fill in that role this year. Um, and that's kind of how I make my decisions.
1: I actually just want to get in here real quick. Will and I do a lot of... In, in past years, we've drafted together in the same room. Like, we drafted at Ethan's house one year. Uh, I think last year we drafted online, right? Or something like... Yeah, we drafted yeah. online, didn't we? But we, we typically bounce back and forth between each other with takes uh we try to keep us ourselves balanced like am i overdrafting this guy if i take him here
2: i feel like you and i do the opposite i look for validation in the players i'm about to draft and you come to me with like talk me out of this situation it's almost (laughs) the exact opposite (laughs) approach
1: yeah, yeah. It's really funny how different we are when it, when it comes to, like, drafting. And it's it's really interesting just how many different ways someone could run their own team or, you know, make trades and all this stuff. I think it's really interesting how close Luke and Dylan are. I mean, we saw that at the draft as well, how close they are. Because Dylan was having a, a fucking fit about... <laughs> we drafting all his players. I really love our league and I love like how people interact with the draft process and everything. So,
0: well, Waylon, I just had one more question for you because you had mentioned in when you draft, you, you'd cut ties with players that didn't pan out, you know, players that you thought had upside, but, but didn't quite work out for your team. So aside from just playing the waiver wire, you've actually been making a lot more trades since you first started playing fantasy football. And I guess I just want to ask, because we can't all be like Brian and send out 125 trade offers every year. So when you go to make a trade with somebody, how do you normally approach that? Walk us through a normal, I'm Waylon and I want to make a trade with somebody.
2: So the normal process is I definitely have a player in mind I want to acquire and probably one or two that I would like in the trade somehow. additionally. Um, but if they're not included, it's not a big deal to me.
1: Throw ins, um,
2: yeah, throw ins. I'm I'm real big on the throw ins, and if there's something that I can throw in from my team, they'll make you throw in players from your team. I'm big on that. I definitely have a player in mind, and I am looking to better my team, my starting roster, typically. I am really bad at keeping depth on my team throughout the year. It's like a problem I have. I like the best starting roster I can come up with. I always try to shoot for that points leader now. And so just having the best possible roster to try and field as many points as possible is what I'm going for. So that's that's basically what I'm trading for. And so I lose depth along the way trying to get there. But that's probably my downfall for fantasy playoffs. But. Hmm.
0: All right, so everybody, if you're listening to that, don't be coming to Waylon with your sorry-ass bench players. He doesn't want <laughs> Pretty much.
1: <laughs> I I thoroughly enjoy having him in the league and all of you other dimes. You love those dimes. I, <laughs> I actually do not have any more questions for Waylon um, outside of who do you think is the better number one team right now, me or you?
2: It's real hard. You have more questions on your team than I do. I think you have the higher upside as much as it hates me. I today. think
1: this week was the shift, and I think you're going to start dominating me.
2: I sure hope so. <laughs> <You> <laughs> bend I am
0: over a barrel and show uh, me.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm about to get <laughs> dimed. <laughs>
0: oh, God. Well, Waylon thanks so much for joining us dude it was a lot of fun i hope you enjoyed it and i hope our dimes listening enjoyed this we'll uh we're we're definitely planning on having some more people out for some interviews if you will on the podcast so if you're interested just shoot us a message on slack and we will do our best to work you in so um but until we see you for the preview episode we hope you guys enjoy and uh we love you guys we'll talk to you guys later
1: bye gonna stop nickel how in the world are you gonna stop rhyme how in the world are you gonna stop this, this
0: The Nickel and Brime Package Podcast
1: Them zebras are holding my mighty Stafford back!